Every play, every musical, begins with some writer putting words on a page. Hello, and welcome to Stagecraft, the Broadway radio podcast that talks to playwrights and musical book writers about the shows they've created. My name is Jan Simpson, and my guest this week is Jesse Eisenberg, who may be best known for his movie career, but we theater lovers know him as a stage actor and a playwright whose works are simultaneously funny and poignant. The new group is presenting his latest, Happy Talk, which stars Susan Sarandon and Marin Ireland. It's playing at the Pershing Square Signature Center through June 16th. Hello, Jesse Eisenberg. Welcome to Broadway Radio. Thank you, Jen. Thank you so much. We usually start these conversations by just talking a little bit about what the show is about for listeners who haven't seen it. So could you briefly tell our listeners what Happy Talk is about? Yeah, sure. It follows this this woman who Susan Sarandon plays, a um, 60-year-old woman who is living in the suburbs, and she is like kind of a diva of the community theater scene uh, in New Jersey, currently performing in South Pacific as Bloody Mary. She lives with her mother, who's dying off stage, her husband, who's quite ill, and um, and her mother's home health aide, Luba, a Serbian immigrant who's uh, living with them, taking care of her mother. And um, Luba asks for uh, some help with uh, finding a husband, and Lorraine, Susan Sarandon's character, takes it upon herself to kind of... Uh, you know, help her find a husband and kind of looks at it as this great new role. Where did you get the idea for this play? You know, I've heard kind of similar stories over the years of, you know, of uh, people asking for this. And, you know, I was also kind of interested in writing about, uh, I've never really written about kind of acting or like, you know, some more explicit form of my profession mm-hmm. and, um, or at least my profession more explicitly. And like, I kind of wanted to write about like, I don't know, like how, how I guess like how much, theater kind of like means to me but at the same time like the kind of dangers that pose that that are posed by like kind of uh you know investing in a character that in a way that's like um kind of detrimental to the rest of your life so her character is uh performing in south pacific at the you know local jewish community center and uh but she views it as this like amazing kind of you know artistic achievement and uh and it's both sweet and funny um mm-hmm. and kind of tragic you know that she uh that that she invests so much in this thing that that is kind of short-lived and like you know on a global scale not that important and it kind of provides some you know comedy and also drama because the plight of this undocumented woman is that much more you know severe and that much you know the higher stakes but i think both both women in the show view their plight as like this incredibly dire need one of them is just right and the other one's wrong (laughs) well i was wondering because amateur theater and particularly classic musicals south pacific play such a big role were they part of your life growing up were listening to classical you know musicals or participating in community theater part of something that you did yes yes i grew up doing like um children's community theater and uh i was in like uh, probably 30 shows you know by the time i was like 15 uh because you know they would do it you know they were kind of like short little runs and everything and we would rehearse on the weekends and paint the sets and then do the shows yeah it's like it's a kind of it's a good world to write about because on the one hand it's it's really you know it's sweet and communal and everything and on the other hand there's this kind of like incestuous quality of everybody working together over and over and you know developing little kind of competitions amongst you know amateur theater and so um i i know the world really well i have a great reverence for it and um and in some ways like i have a you know i i think of it aspirationally because like i i 
wasn't good enough to like do it so in because I, I don't have like a good good enough like musical theater presence for it so like in a way i still kind of um you know envy those who are able to do it so well so i have a lot of thoughts about it and they're all pretty much in the show this is going to be a slight detour but i have to ask what was your big role in a in a classic musical i mean i started out doing soldier's theater and i had no idea what i was doing and i didn't get any lines really because i was i, I couldn't like tell the difference between being on stage and off stage like i didn't i wasn't I think I was like conscious of that being like a different thing that now people are watching us and I was just doing it because my older sister was there and then at some point I don't know I think I got a role in like summer theater camp that my sister was going to of playing like Charlie Brown or something in one little <laughs> sketch and I, I remember thinking like this is like a major yeah it was like kind of a major life accomplishment to play it was like a two minute thing um <laughs> And then I think I had some kind of like awakening of what it was that I was doing and like what was good and what I liked about it. And then I kind of, then I started playing like bigger roles, like in Oliver Twist, you know, the musical, mm -hmm. or not called Oliver Twist. Yeah. Oliver, um, yeah. And yeah, just Oliver exclamation point. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, then I, I started getting like bigger parts. And then when I was like 15, I started auditioning in New York City uh, more seriously. Yeah. Returning to Happy Talk, another of the major issues is the issue of immigration and getting your green card, being uh, accepted in this country. And I know that you've been active in social and political causes, and I just wondered why you settled on this particular one and how the current debate did or did not affect it. Um. This is my fourth play, and it's also my fourth one that kind of is led by a character who's from another country, uh, except one of my plays, which takes place in Poland, and so the lead character uh, is Polish anyway. And it's just something I've become sensitive to in the last, I don't know, 15 years. I think the first time I left the country was with my wife, but this was like 15 years ago. We went to Venezuela, and uh, I, I was shocked by uh, not only seeing you know, a place that had poverty, different to the American poverty that I'd seen. And I didn't know anything about geography or the world news or anything or politics, you know, international politics. And uh, I had this kind of like eye-opening experience. And then since then, I started writing about all like the countries I traveled to or the places or the people that I've met from other countries. So I guess it's just something I've become sensitive to. And then there's also, uh, there's something also kind of like funny and dramatic about putting somebody who has real world issues which is in the in this in the case of this play somebody who's trying to uh, you know assimilate into a culture that's becoming increasingly resistant to those trying to assimilate putting her in the same room as uh you know the other character who's this kind of you know narcissistic artist and i guess in some ways all my shows are in some ways reflections of my own guilt for being the kind of you know let's say like privileged artist who gets to write a play and so in all my plays there's usually like a character that is some kind of you know surrogate of me some kind of like pretentious artist who's taking their art really seriously and usually a character from another country is struggling against real world issues and it's probably a uh, the plays are probably all a way for me to kind of exercise my own um uh, guilt. One of the things that you also do, at least in a couple of, of the plays, I'm thinking of the revisionist and this one, is that you've written really great parts for older actresses. And I'm wondering if that's something intentional, because 
there aren't a lot of contemporary plays that are written with those actors in mind. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I try to like, I mean, I'm not conscious of it, but if I was trying to analyze it, I would say that there's like, um, I guess I see a vulnerability in maybe older women uh, that I'm sensitive to that I don't feel for older men. And so when I'm writing characters, especially who are like kind of narcissistic and tough to deal with, like I try to, I guess, just unconsciously try to like add some vulnerability to their lives or at least their circumstances. And uh, in both the plays that you mentioned, um, the characters are dealing with things that kind of only happen to women who are older, which is to say they're in a kind of more traditional marriage, which both women are you know the husband is no longer around or interested in them and he was the breadwinner and so they're, they're kind of stuck with some kind of financial issues so there are things that uh, i would say especially for women in their 60s or in my first play was she was in her 80s there are things that kind of affect women more than men and i guess i just have a i don't know maybe i just feel like there's something sadder uh, and something i feel i'm more sensitive to and therefore it creates a more vulnerable character that can be offset by the typically narcissistic people that I write. Well, I'm, I'm going to get to that because you've mentioned several times the narcissism of some of your characters. And although there is also a vulnerability uh, to those characters, some people might describe them as unlikable. And you don't right. seem to have a problem in creating these kinds of unlikable characters. Yeah, I mean, it's quite the contrary. I'm fi- I find it like totally baffling when I watch a story where the characters are like heroic and likable. Like to me, it seems like just as a strange, at time it kind of seems like cheating. I, yeah, to, to, to me, that's kind of shocking because I'm interested in psychology and I'm interested in like learning about a person's mind and their behavior. And uh, to me, a character doing something kind of heroic or, you know, or noble is like a lack of exploration of the human mind, you know, um, not that my things are plumbing the depths of, of, of Freudian psychology, but uh, it's just they're about people that are, I don't know, that are like interesting to dissect over the course of an hour and a half, at least for me. Uh, my dad's like, uh, my dad teaches sociology. And uh, so, you know, I grew up like reading social science texts about, you know, strange behavior and the way people react, you know, in um, relationships that are abusive or the way people, um, you know, act in mobs. Um, And so, like, all that stuff's really interesting to me, and I guess that's why I I write about it. And also, you know, it's kind of like, you can get away with a lot, like, in theater that you can't get away with in movies, you know, because the audience is stuck in the theater, the doors are locked, and they turn (laughs) off their cell phones. And so I feel like theater is the medium to explore difficult people because you can because the audience has to stay uh you know a movie they can turn off if they're watching on tv or leave the theater and it's not going to disturb anything um but uh, uh, i feel like in a play that's the place to explore characters that are difficult that you're forced to sit with until the end well in a way that then you've you've answered uh one of the questions i was interested in because you obviously have a really thriving film career and so i was wondering why do you return to the stage what is it about theater that keeps pulling you back i mean i think it's the best medium for entertainment but also to discuss like issues that are a little more substantive 
And the reason I think that is because of what I said, you're like stuck in this room, it's a communal experience, and there's like a social aspect of it, even though it's a one-sided social aspect, which is that, you know, the actors are the ones speaking, but there's a kind of communal social aspect of it. And uh, and for the stuff I write, which is like, I don't know, a little theatrical, a little like um, more confrontational, like I feel like it's the best place for it. I've also just had like a better experience writing plays than I have writing movies. When I've written movies, I've like, you know, been asked to rewrite them by a million people, whether it be actors or agents or producers, always for the benefit of themselves, for producers to make it more commercial, for actors to make the roles, you know, something. And when I've written plays, I've had like the greatest actors in the world, Vanessa Redgrave, Susan Sarandon, in my shows and they're like, just by virtue of the medium being this kind of old you know, with the, with the long history of, you know, kind of reverence, people want to, like, serve the show rather than, like, their own vanity or something. And so, like, uh, it's just a medium I feel better working in. I, I, my, my gripe, of course, is that it's expensive and exclusive, and so I try to, like, mitigate that by bringing student groups. My best friend's a teacher and my wife's a teacher, so they bring students. And, you know, we try to kind of offset how elitist theater can be by bringing students, and, uh, you know, that helps a bit. But, you know, but it's never going to be perfect. Was there there any thought of your, because you have acted in your plays, mm-hmm. of um, creating a role for you in this one? Because there's a daughter yeah. that, the, uh, that uh, Lorraine and her husband have. Could have been a son. Yeah, no, I know. And, and, um, and certainly at one point, I was thinking, oh, maybe I should change it. But I really wanted the storyline to be about um, uh, Lorraine's character um, kind of uh, losing her daughter, and therefore she has this greater need to take on Luba, the home mm-hmm. health aide, as as a kind of surrogate daughter. So there was like a kind of, what is it, not an Electra, Oedipal? There was some kind of Greek... <laughs> um, there was some kind of Greek uh, uh, parallel there that I was, or allegory there that I was trying to kind of accomplish. I do, I, I like being in the shows because I can kind of like, I don't know, I can kind of like keep the, I can kind of set the tone. Um, so I like being in my shows, you know, because I can, it's kind of like an extension of writing it. Um, but um, uh, this was my first experience not doing it and it was great. I mean, I was so lucky to have like, you know, five of the greatest actors in the world do the show. So I didn't feel like this need to be in it to step in to you know do anything that they couldn't do i feel honored that they're doing it but uh yeah i guess it is weird to watch it from the sideline i I was wondering one of the themes uh as you're talking about it is the role between or the relationship between mothers and daughters because it's not Mm -hmm. just lorraine and her daughter but lorraine and her mother and luba and her daughter she talks yeah. a great deal about that. Was that, as you were sitting down and thinking about the play, something that you explicitly wanted to explore? Yeah, because I like the idea that, you know, um, and this is, you know, this is true, you know, people who are working here and sending money back and they're, you know, uh, you know, they're paying for this, this, they're paying for this invisible world, you know, it's invisible to us in America. Um, but so many people do that. I mean, um, 
uh, you know, there are some economies that are, are are bolstered, you know, in such significant ways, you know, foreign economies that are bolstered in really significant ways by remittances, you know, people sending money back. It's a fascinating thing to think about because, you know, as, you know, as Americans, as middle class Americans, we kind of think about the money we make um, in this kind of like immediate way that it's all here to pay for the things that we can see. Um, but there's this group of people uh, that are here working in America and the money that they spend is, you know, completely tertiary to the money that they're sending back. It's just amazing to think that, you know, these two economies that are like, you know, entirely separate economies are actually like linked in this kind of sweet and sad way. And so kind of putting that character in the room of Lorraine and Lorraine's house, this middle class life that we can all recognize as America, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's, it's inherently dramatic. And the great Marin um, Ireland plays uh, yeah. uh, Luba. We hadn't uh, mentioned her name. Your your plays obviously attract really top-notch uh, actors, as you said, Vanessa Redgrave um, uh, in the Re- Revisionist, and Susan Sarandon mm-hmm. and uh, Marin Ireland in this one. Do you write with actors in mind, or do you write the play and then go out and find uh, the people? Um, most of the things I write, like, are, like, I think are, like, I don't finish. So, like, because um, they're not working or something. So, after a play is kind of, like, working and I'm halfway through, then I kind of start to think about it a little bit just because I'm trying to kind of get the ball rolling as soon as possible, not because I, you know, I'm tailoring it to the voice of the person because that tends to not work well, especially if you don't then have access to the person. Mm-hmm. You know, it becomes kind of meaningless. But, um, no, but I mean, I write in a way that I think actors like because I, I know what the experience is like to do a play every night mm-hmm. you know for 200 shows or something um, and so I like I know I, 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 I instinctively am thinking uh, what would I want to do in each role uh, it, it, it actually helps in two ways one is actors like it but the other thing is that it keeps all the characters relevant in some way so even if there's a smaller role in the play I'm thinking like well if I was playing this role and I'm thinking hmm. this unconsciously of course I'm thinking mm-hmm. if I was playing this role I w- what would I want to do every night I wouldn't want to come on to deliver a, a message you know I wouldn't want to be a messenger coming on to deliver a note and leaving uh, I've played those roles before and you know it's kind of you feel like you're not really in the thing so like I try to make sure each character has something to do uh, and it ends up filling out the show in a way even though maybe it's coming from a place of calculation it ends up kind of filling the show in a artful way because it seems like a full ensemble rather than uh, you know, a vanity piece for one actor. That's true. Even though the, uh, you have two very powerful uh, actresses uh, in lead roles in this, uh, mm. this is, in a, in a way, an ensemble piece and with very interesting characters. And uh, it's a really meaty uh, evening. Uh, in the theater. Oh, thanks a lot. So thank, thank you, so you thank you for for writing it and thank you for oh, thank you, uh, talking to us about it. Oh man, thank you so much. And thank you for joining us. We hope you'll come back next time and that you'll listen to all the other Broadway Radio podcasts which you can find on broadwayradio.com. <laughs>